Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Extra, 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 read all about it. Today, we have Jason Pfeiffer, editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine and the host of the podcast, Build for Tomorrow. He has worked as an editor at Men's Health, Fast Company, Maxim, Boston Magazine, and written about business and technology for the Washington Post, Slate, New York, and others. Our topic today is how to get your company mentioned in the media. I asked Jason questions like how to build rapport with a journalist and how to craft the perfect pitch to a news outlet. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to meet you on Clubhouse. It's crazy how we got here so quick. I know. Clubhouse is just an amazing connection tool right now. Yeah, and hopefully someone listened to our Clubhouse episodes earlier so they can know how we met. And that's literally, I mean, proof's in the pudding, right? I met you on Clubhouse and now you're on my podcast. That's true. I know. Well, I, you know, part of the reason that I love going on Clubhouse is because people reach out to you afterwards. It's amazing. I mean, it's like speaking for an hour on Clubhouse just leads to tons of new followers and DMs and everything. It's a, the engagement there is unlike anything I've ever seen. Good. So this isn't a show about Clubhouse. This episode's uh, on uh, more so on media coverage. So let's shift gears here quickly and let's go. How does a company get mentioned in the media? Yeah, well, big question, and there's not one simple answer, but I would say the most important thing that you need to do is you need to target your story to the publications that are going to be interested in telling it because it's valuable to their reader. And that last part is the critical one. So most people have a misunderstanding, I think, about media. They treat it and they treat me as if I am a service provider, that my job is to write about your company. And that's not true, right? My job, and I, I'm saying me, I'm a stand-in for everyone here. My job as a, a journalist, a magazine editor, anybody in this world, my job is not to serve you. It's not to give you press. My job is to serve my reader or my listener, or my viewer, depending on what media I'm doing. And that means that I am very attentive to why people are tuning in or reading, what is it that we do for them, how do we provide value for them. And so when somebody reaches out to me, they either make clear, intentionally or not, why their story is going to be valuable to my audience, or they don't. And most people don't. Most people are so focused on what they want, what they imagine to be the perfect piece of press for them. I mean, sometimes they even are just like flat out will tell me, you know, can you write about my company? It would, it would help our company so much. And it's like, guys, uh, I'm not the person that you approach for that. That's why you hire a publicist. They are a service provider. I'm not a service provider. My job is to understand my audience. And if you can pitch me in a way in which you anticipate how I tell stories to my audience, then maybe I will be interested. So get to know the publication, target really smartly, tell your story differently depending on who you're reaching out to. That's all what increases your odds. Excellent. Now, when we're talking about pitching, right, there, there's a few ways to approach this. How do you generate a compelling narrative that would intrigue someone like yourself? So let's say it's the right audience. Let's say it's the right 
uh, message. How do you generate a compelling message? The right message, you jump over that probably too fast because ultimately if you can figure out what the right message is, then communicating it becomes pretty simple. I'll give you an example. I, an entrepreneur, I am not interested in success stories. I'm not interested in, I don't have some sort of magic formula. People always ask me, what's the formula? What, how, how many, you know, how large do I need to be? How many years do I need to be in business? It doesn't work like that. What I am running is really not a business magazine. That's not how I think about it. I think of it as a magazine about thinking and about creative problem solving. And so I am looking for stories that in some way give insight to smart thinking and creative problem solving from entrepreneurs. So what makes me interested in a story is not that you succeeded in X, Y, and Z way. It's some interesting decision that you made along the way, something that feels counterintuitive and surprising. One of my favorite stories that were ever, was ever pitched to me was about a butter dish because this woman who, who has a butter dish called Buttery had tried to do some market research on her butter dish when she was just starting out. She went to this company. They were going to charge her $10,000 for market research. She didn't have that. She didn't know what to do. And then she was at an airport and she realized that, you know what? An airport is actually full of people, in normal times at least, full of people who have absolutely nothing better to do than answer questions about butter dishes. So she just started arriving early to an airport every time she had to travel somewhere and going from gate to gate asking people, you know, would you buy this? What would the what what price would you buy it at? What color? You know, the kind of market research that you would do. She did it at an airport. I love that story. It has nothing to do with butter dishes. I don't care how many units she sold. It's about creative problem solving. So once you identify the kinds of things that each publication is looking for, well, then actually telling that story to the publication, I mean, it's pretty simple. What is it? It's an email. Send a, send a human, compelling email with a few paragraphs that gets really quite to the point. That's an interesting point. Now, so we've just heard what entrepreneur is doing. How how do you discover that for another publication? I mean, the, the same way that you would discover it from entrepreneur if you didn't hear me talking to you right now, you spend a bunch of time reading. I mean, if you look closely at what you're what you're reading, if you think about it, if you start to critically evaluate it, who is this story for? What kinds of details are they putting in here? Let me see if I can identify patterns in what I'm seeing, you will start to figure it out pretty quick. You'll see what a, what a publication is obsessed with and what they're not and who they're how they're talking to their audience and who their audience is based on the way that they're presenting information. Right? I mean, it's like, it's not any different from if you watch a 30 second car commercial, you can, you, you know, you could experience it in two ways. It's either just a 30 second car commercial, or you can start asking some critical questions about it. Who was that for? Who were the people that were featured in the car ad? How do the people who were featured in the car ad reflect the demographic that this car company is trying to target? Right. You can learn a lot about the marketing strategy and the internal communications of a car company by watching a 30 second car ad. If you just start thinking about why it was made the way that it was. And that's really the same for any media, just spend time with it. I mean, look, the other option here is that you hire a publicist who, whose job is to do this stuff and who knows a lot of this stuff already, a good publicist, at least most of them are frankly not good, but good publicists will be able to do it. So, you know, you, you can, you can skip a bunch of this work that way. But if you're going to do it on your own, which you absolutely can, it just requires a lot of legwork. And it sounds 
so simplistic, but just, it sounds like just read the articles and get at a core of what is that article about. And once you get there, you can start to understand why the article is even there, right? Yeah. Find the pattern. I mean, every product, right? If you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you understand what it means to be obsessed with your audience and then create products and constantly iterate so that those products are as valuable to the audience as possible. Um, media companies are doing the same exact thing. We're trying to understand our audience. We're, con- we're trying to constantly iterate and figure out new ways to be valuable to them while staying true to the mission of what we were originally setting out to do. And so if you spend some time really critically thinking about the product that you see in front of you, you'll start to see how it's made. It's, it's you know, it's not, I mean, I, I realize that it's, it's easier for me to see because I've spent my career in this, but it's it's not really that hard. It, you know, I mean, if you just spend time with it, the, the uh, here's a here's a classic classic way of, of misunderstanding. I get a lot of pitches from people who want me to write about their new funding round. We just raised five million dollars in a Series B. Well, congratulations. Have you gone to Entrepreneur.com and seen any stories that cover funding rounds? No, you haven't, or you haven't looked. Well, then why are you wasting your time and mine? We don't write those stories. We just don't. We don't cover funding rounds. You know who does? TechCrunch. Why don't you go pitch them? Right? Like spending just a little bit of time seeing what people are publishing will instantly, instantly increase your ability to pitch correctly. Talking about increasing uh, your ability to pitch, I'm assuming a little rapport can go a long way, yeah? It's not necessary. It's hard to build because, you know, media companies are, they're, they're getting smaller and smaller, man. Like there's just, there's not, these staffs are not very large. Everyone's doing a ton of stuff. Not everybody engages by email or by social. Some people do. I do. But, um, but a lot of people don't. But yeah, if you can build a rapport, you definitely have more of an, more of somebody's ear. I mean, it's just human nature, right? So if you want to go that route, my suggestion is play a really long game, right? Start engaging with somebody on social, reply to things that they do, send them a DM about what you like, try to provide some kind of value. Do not ask for anything. I'll tell you, like my least favorite thing in the world is when somebody reaches out to me and they send me a they 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 send me some kind of nice note about something that I wrote and I respond and I say, Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And then the next response from them is, let me tell you about my business. I would love for you to write about me. Right. And it's like, Oh, you didn't, it's a bait and switch. You didn't care about what I wrote. You, you know, like, like it doesn't work. You guys, you can't do that. Like that's so transparent that it is the opposite of building a rapport. It's actually kind of offensive. Appreciate that. Uh, and I, and I feel like that is a lot of people's strategy, right? They, they, they've at least taken a step to get to know you, but then the moment they get to know you, like, boom, they stuff you in your face. So, right. Exactly. So for the last part of this segment, um, give us what in your mind and at your organization would be a perfect pitch. There is no perfect pitch. There just isn't. Um, I've written stories based on emails. I've written stories based on a conversation with somebody I've written stories based on a DM somebody sent me, although generally I hate being pitched by DM. But um, there is no perfect pitch. The perfect pitch is friendly. It is human. It is not a press release. It is catered to the person who is being pitched. You know, I mean, think of it. It's not any different. And maybe this is just an easier way to think about it because it's less mysterious. It's just not any different from pitching an investor. 
right? If you go and you pitch your pitch an investor, you better know a whole bunch of stuff about that investor. What is their thesis? Who else have they invested in? Who do they know? What are they interested in? The more you know about them, the more you can frame your pitch to them in a way that they're going to see opportunity in. And the same exact thing is true when pitching the media. The you know a reporter or an editor they're spending their days trying to figure out how to provide value to their audience, and the more that you can understand that, the more that you can be that value, and that is the perfect pitch. There's no one specific way to do it. There's no one specific subject line. There's no uh, there's no word count. It just doesn't work like that. It's really just about are you the opportunity? Well, Jason. Thank you for guiding us on how to get some media coverage. I think how simplistic the information was, it makes a lot of sense. Just, hey, read the articles, figure out what's important to them, make sure it's the right audience, and craft a simple message. So I I definitely appreciate that. Um, any final pending thoughts? Well, final pending thoughts. I'll just tell you some ways to reach me or find some of my stuff. So I have a podcast called Build for Tomorrow, which I would love for you to check out. Build for Tomorrow. It's a show about the crazy things from history that shaped us and then how we can shape the future. Deeply reported. The most recent episode is about to-go cocktails. You know, to-go cocktails during the pandemic became suddenly legal in most of the country. And I got to wondering... What actually happened there? Like, how did it become legal? And, and for that matter, why was it illegal in the first place? Like, where did that law even come from? And that sent me down a fascinating rabbit hole about how laws are changed and how hard it is to change them and why our alcohol policy in America is so completely insane and then how to make big change by starting small. So anyway, again, that is Build for Tomorrow. I listened to them. You know I listened to it. And my favorite episode was uh, The Good Old Days. And I think... I think it really helps people think about where we are today and how and what the future looks like, right? It gives it's it's a, it's really what it is. It's a mindset is really what what it comes down to. So that was one of my favorite episodes. I've already sent it to seven people and counting. Oh, thank you, I uh, and I've listened that. to it one and a half times already. I'm almost done the second time around. Amazing, amazing. Well, well, I'm I'm honored. Uh, I'm honored that you took uh, two spins through it. Yeah, that's that episode. Uh, will if if you if you who are hearing my words right now think that there was a time better than ours, listen to that episode. I will disabuse you of that notion. Absolutely. All right, Jason. Thanks for having you. Appreciate it. We'll see you later. Hey, thanks a lot.